Why did God create people? Why has he created people? Why? Why do we exist? Why do we exist? What purpose is there in this life? What should be our, our passion, our drive, daily, our craving? What is this for which we should live? Paul the apostle, Paul the missionary, Paul the evangelist, Paul the theologian summarized it so well as he writes to those of Philippi, as he writes to us and to all of his own everywhere, all of Christ's own, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And to share in his suffering. And to become like him in his death. And if somehow to attain the resurrection from death to life. That's the reason we're alive. It's the reason we exist. To know God. It's the reason we're alive. Each day we get up, Lord, we want to know Christ, we want to know you through Christ. The power of his resurrection. Jesus Christ is God man. Jesus Christ lived that perfect life because he's God. He willingly allowed those soldiers to arrest him and the cruelty of his execution, his death. He did that, not only the physical, but the spiritual, the emotional, to take sin and punishment upon himself that he did not deserve. To take the wrath of God, the punishment of God against sin, the judgment against sin upon himself. On behalf of all of those the Father gives to him. And to give him by his resurrection, Christ would give his very holiness and righteousness to his own. So that as we will, by the Holy Spirit, turn from our sin, repent of your sin, turn to Christ, turn to Christ. Now, that craving, Christ, I want to know you. To experience the power of the resurrection in everyday living. A willingness to share in his suffering. A willingness to share in the sufferings of Christ. And become like him to become like him in his death. The only way I know of becoming like Christ in his death is to say what Christ said as he approached death. As he looked at that which was before him, as he's praying to the Father, as he anticipated descending into hell, to take the judgment by God against sin, he prayed, not, is there any other way? Is there any other way? And I'm paraphrasing. 
to satisfy your justice and not have to go to the cross. But not my will, but yours be done. Don't do what I want. Do that which will please you most. And to attain to the resurrection from death to life. Today, Christians, Christians all over the world are celebrating. We're celebrating the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ in what Christ brought about 502 years ago. 502 years ago. We're still celebrating the grace of Christ and what he did. A young German monk in Wittenberg, Germany, that young monk studying, coming to the scriptures, reading, studying, believing the Bible, went to the chapel door in that community where he lived. And he took and nailed on the chapel door 95 concerns he had for what was occurring in the church. What the church was doing and teaching. That he felt this young nobody, these 95 concerns he felt were in contradiction to the Bible. Contradiction to the Bible. Martin Luther. On October the 31st, 1570. That nailing things on the chapel door was the customary way of making notices. No TV, no radio, no newspaper, internet. If you had something for people to know, you took it and you publicly nailed it for them to see. So he was doing that which was natural. But what he was saying was very unnatural. See, God worked in that young monk, Martin Luther, to first study the Bible, to believe on Christ, to believe the Bible as our authority, and to see the errors that were occurring within the church and begin what became a protest. The Protestant Reformation. There are five great truths that have come from that initial protest against the church as it was in that day. I want us to see those five, but our focus for today is on one of those five. I trust that the now through November, we're going to look at selected psalms. We have finished Jonah, and through November to look at selected psalms. We do that occasionally. We go to certain psalms. There's 150 psalms. We've certainly not gone over all of them. But to pick out several of those psalms. Today our psalm is going to be Psalm 19. But at first I want us to see these five what are known as the five solas, the five solas. And I trust that from this, we will see there's joy 
There's gladness. There's pleasure in knowing God. The greater your understanding of Him, not only academically, not only intellectually, but to really know Him, can give you joy and pleasure as He takes you through very difficult, trying, hard times. As He takes His children through hard, difficult, trying times, He can give joy and pleasure because you're growing in your knowledge of Him. So now what are we doing? We're celebrating Christ through the five solas of the Reformation. There's five of these. Quickly, boast in them. Boast in these. Number one, it's grace only. Grace alone. That we're to know and believe from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not on your own. It's the gift of God. Folk, we must believe it's grace alone that makes us sons and daughters. It's God coming and doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Depend on His grace. Do not depend on your own effort in being good enough. Grace and faith are gifts of God. This we must believe. It's grace only by which we can enter into God's family. Grace only. But secondly, it's faith alone. It's faith only. It's grace only. It's faith only. Therefore, says Romans 5.1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How are you justified? How are you accepted by a holy God who should punish us for our sin? How are we adopted? How do we become sons and daughters of the holy God? It's the gift of grace, evident in the gift of faith. You can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God in his holiness should punish us. We deserve punishment. He is a God of fierce anger. God is a God of fierce anger. We should fear him and trust him. That through Christ, by grace and faith, we can have peace with him. The third is Christ alone. It's grace alone. It's faith alone. It's Christ alone. There's no other way. Not through Allah, not through Muhammad. No other way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. The truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through Christ. Please believe that. Live it. It's Scripture alone. It's Christ alone. It's Scripture alone. It's the Bible only. 
All of the Bible is God-breathed. The Bible, we need it. It's profitable to teach us. This is true. This is right. This is wrong. Reproof. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong thinking. Wrong behavior. But to correct us. Correct us. And to train us in righteousness. Are you in the Word? Is the Word in you? Are you feeding your heart and your soul and your mind on the Scriptures? It's God talking to us perfectly and completely. Are you studying it with others? Are you in community with others? It's wonderful, absolutely essential that we come together for worship and hear and read together and learn together. Also, apart from this time, here or in another church family, the teaching, the correction, the training in the ways of Christ. And lastly, the fifth sola. The fifth sola. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Here it is. For from him, Christ, and through him and to him all things. To him be glory forever. Family, your life, all that you have, all that you will ever have is from Christ. It's through Christ. And ultimately, it's back to Christ that we live for his honor, for his glory. May we believe, may we believe and boast in these truths. Why are we alive? To know God. To know Jesus Christ. Enough to trust his power. To know him well enough to suffer. To suffer for knowing him is far better than not suffering and not know Him. How do we know God? How do we really know God? There are three ways, and it's taught here, specifically two of them, in this Psalm 19. The first way we to know God is through creation. To look at the creation and know there must be a creator. How do we know God? We look at creation and we say there must be a creator. And that's what the psalmist is telling us here in Psalm 19, the first six verses. Look at this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims his handiwork. I enjoy creation. You probably also. I enjoy looking at the beautiful sunrise from the beach. 
or from the mountains or the beautiful sunset. The heavens shout and declare and scream and whisper, there is a God. How do we know him? We know him generally through creation. There's a God. There's a God. Look at Romans chapter 1. Look at Romans chapter 1. By the Holy Spirit, we know that through creation, we are without excuse. Go to Romans 1. Listen, there are those who say they are atheists, that they do not believe in God. But they're either so blinded to truth are willingly believing and saying a lie because the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 19, 119, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has made it known to them. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. We look at creation, we know there's a creator and we are without excuse. Without excuse in saying, we don't know God. No, we know from creation there is a God. Creation is wonderful. But creation itself is not sufficient for us knowing God. Secondly, we must know, we must not only have general understanding, but very specific. We need the Bible. We need the Bible to tell us more about God than mere creation. We need the Bible. And that's what Psalm 19 is telling us, verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimonies of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What is your understanding of this book? It's perfect. And you and I need revival. We need refreshment. We need encouragement. And that comes from the truth of Scripture. It's sure. It's dependable. It makes us wise, for we are simple. It can give joy to your heart. It is pure. We need the Scriptures. Verse 10, look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. What satisfies us more than possessions, wealth, a raise, 
good stock return, promotion. What brings greater joy? The Bible is to bring us greater joy than even wealth. A different home, a different automobile, a different person. There's nothing to compare, says the Scripture, that can surpass possessing God's Word. But family, as wonderful as creation is, that we need, we're without excuse, the absolute essential understanding of the Bible. Are you giving yourself Please make this a priority, not only in your own life, but studying and learning together with others, learning, studying together with others. But we need more. We need more than creation for knowing God. We need the Bible, but we need more than the Bible for knowing God. We need the living word, Jesus Christ. You can know a lot about the Bible. You can believe in God's existence by creation and still not know God. We need the living word, Jesus Christ. Look at John 1, John 1, 14, John 1, 14. And the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We need the living word. Jesus Christ is God. He became a human. He lived here among us as one of us, yet never sinning, never ever sinning. And he is full of grace. He's full of truth. The living truth, the living grace. Is your hope, is your confidence in Christ? To live for you, to having died for you, resurrected for you. Are you trusting in him only to take your sin? And punishment that you deserve upon himself. That by his resurrection, giving you his righteousness. Oh, how we need the word. One of my favorite, favorite true stories. Of how God took the word, the scriptures. And took Jesus Christ. Heard it. Perhaps you've heard it, but I need to hear it again and again and again. Dr. Ravi Zacharias, what a wonderful preacher, teacher, philosopher. Ravi Zacharias, I heard him on radio tell of, again, to the best of my memory, seeing someone he had met earlier, years earlier, And at the time that Dr. Zacharias had first met this gentleman, this gentleman was a prominent doctor, scientist, Christian gentleman. 
notable and outstanding. But because of war and that particular nation where she lived, that doctor was arrested, made basically a slave under atheistic government, made a prisoner, and was fed constantly propaganda atheistic propaganda saying there is no God. And the doctor did not have a Bible. He could not read and refresh himself. He could not revive and encourage. So day after day after day he was given propaganda. There is no God. There is no God. There is no God. Eventually he was worn down. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, And the doctor says, I gave in, and I gave up. There must not be a God. I'll quit praying. He couldn't read because he didn't have a Bible. I'll quit praying. There must not be a God. He was assigned, this doctor was assigned a detail of cleaning the office, the latrines of the commander's office. The stench, the filth of which he faced daily. And as he would go to the bathroom trying to clean it, What is that in the trash can? A page out of the Bible. The officers would tear paper, tear pages out of the Bible to use as toilet paper. He got it. He'd wash it. He'd clean it up. And eagerly wait for the next day. And the next. And the next. And the next, he would get it out and clean it. How God refreshed him and renewed him and revived him. He was told he was going to have a different assignment. They were taking him away from the latrines. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Let me come back. Let me continue this duty. Eventually, in God's providence, in God's working, he was released. He returned. But God took the work of Jesus Christ. God took the truth of Scripture to revive, to renew, to give comfort, to give peace to his troubled heart. That's the intent of God. The only way we can know God. We know he exists. We're without excuse by creation. Secondly, but we must have the written word. Please, I plead with you. The written word in your heart and your soul and in your mind. And study it with others. It's not just you and God. It's you in community with others, learning together, 
encouraging together, correcting together. Creation, we know there's a God. The Bible, we know more specifically who he is and the way we're to live. But you must know the living word, Jesus Christ, to see yourself as the sinner that we are, deserving the fierce anger of God. That's how God describes himself. Fierce anger, jealousy for worship. That's the way he describes himself. But the wonderful truth is you can have peace with him. You can have joy. You can have pleasure that far surpasses any other pleasure. As you see your sin, as you turn from going your own way to go the way of Christ, turning from your sin, believing on him, turning from your own way to live for the ways of Christ as given in the scriptures. May we grow. May you know Christ. May you grow in his grace and in knowledge. Let's pray. Father, we cannot thank you enough, praise you enough for the gift of creation, for we know you exist. We thank you for the gift of the Bible that is true and complete and perfect. But Father, we thank you for the living word, Jesus Christ. He never, ever sinned, and yet he became sin on behalf of all of those you've given to him. Work in all of our hearts to turn from our sin, to believe on Christ, to find that encouragement, that peace with you. For all we pray, in the name of your Son, amen.